Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This is an ABC podcast. The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past and present. Richmond cheer squad, Rach, Amanda, and Myrna, and Louisa. We've got a whole crew here. Tell me, Amanda, how does that feel? Absolutely magical. (laughs) Amazing! Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. And what we just heard was the euphoric sounds of Richmond supporters celebrating their historic first win. The Tigers have finally got one in the AFLW and what a joy it was to watch. My name is Emma Race and being back in the Sanctum studio gives me those first game win feels too. Today we're going to catch up with the captain of the Tigers. She's going to be all yellow and black from the winner's rooms. We're also going to go from Tigers to Lions and speak to Lauren Arnell because those Lions are just delicious. They sensationally took on the purple powerhouse Frio and ended their winning streak over the weekend. In the circle, ready to sing the song with me at any minute, of course, are my football-loving sisters of the sanctum. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm Rana Hussain. I'm Nicole Hayes. And hello, I'm Lucy Race. There are some highlights to wade through, my ladybirds. I'm going to come to you first, Lucy Race, because you didn't leave the couch slash the outer all weekend. I did actually go to a few games, but there was a lot of couch time. One of my absolute highlights was sitting in the outer at Vic Park. And if it wasn't already exciting enough and there was such a beautiful vibe, but when Melbourne ran out, they played the Melbourne song in Woiwurrung language and it was so beautiful. So this was done back in 2019. Auntie Joy Murphy translated the song and her granddaughter sang it. It's just, it was just beautiful, wasn't it, Rana? It was stunning. I think we both sent each other crying emojis because it was so beautiful. (laughs) And the thing I loved was it was just a beautiful way of including culture. And to be honest, I would like to see it every week and I would like to see all the clubs do the same thing because we play the song over and over again anyway. What a beautiful way to embed culture. Exactly what we were calling for on last week's pod. I actually, that was one of my highlights as well, is what I thought was Indigenous Round really offered in the AFLW is it was a uniquely female Indigenous cultural moment. And so I learnt things that I hadn't been uh, kind of aware of before. And so I found it to be really specifically more educational because it's not the same as what we've seen before. And I was so grateful for that. Nicole, what was your highlight? 
I'm going to go to the footy. I just wanted to go back to Vic Park, though. I have to say, I love that we're kind of giving Vic Park a whole new legacy because I associate it with trauma being in the outer of Vic Park of my early uh, football years. It was never a great experience for a Hawthorne fan. But um, it's like we're re possessing it or something. It's like getting a whole new lease of life. And I think that's pretty fabulous. But yes, football wise, um, I know, look, I know it was a bit of a sort of dead rubber game, West Coast, Gold Coast, given that they're not really in it um, for that pointy end. But I was so excited by Michaela Bowen. Obviously, I wasn't the only one because she got the um, one of the Rising Star nominations. But look, 21 disposals, seven marks, uh, three clearances. She's just a gun. Like she's quick. She's got run and carry. She was impossible to stop. And she's had a bit of a rough trot getting here. So I just love to see such a young and exciting character, uh, player come up through the ranks like that. And she was a West Coast fan growing up too. So like this is just seeing her come to life in this way. And I think there's a lot to love about the youth at West Coast and something they can, you know, one point win's a bit of a tight one. It's their first win for the season um, and only their second win ever. So like to see them get up week after week, I think it's really inspiring. I thought it was a great little performance by Michaela. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. And I kind of love that that game came down to a one-point right. margin in the end because it didn't look like it was necessarily going to be anything to write home about. And, you know, anything's possible. I think that that's what footy does. It sparks something in our minds where we see these amazing feats of strength and we see wins come when we didn't expect them or um, just you see things that make you think that you can achieve really anything. I think that every time I look at Meg McDonald and remember that she Truth. was dropped from the list of the Bulldogs. Yeah. Rana, I'm going to ask you what your highlight was, but I feel like we could all play along from home. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You've already kind of heard my highlight that Friday night. Oh, my gosh. I... I just can't express what this means to me, to the club. At the club, we talk so much about the history and being one of the first clubs to ever exist. And there's so much footage and pictures of men in that jumper. And to see the first ever women's team win just filled me with such joy. And I loved that I could be there and experience it all. I drove the whole way down listening to Beyonce, so I feel like I also did my bit um, to contribute the to the win. The one is right. Exactly. The I saw Courtney Wakefield in tears after the game. It was so emotional. And to, for Ali McKenzie to then get the rising star after it, like it was just the cherry on top. I also got to speak to Richmond captain Katie Brennan after the game, which was momentous, and I got to ask her what it felt like to finally get that win. It was a, an amazing feeling out there and um, it's been a long time coming and heaps of hard work behind the scenes from so many people um, within the program, within the club. So, yeah, we're absolutely stoked. Um, we said to the girls that we want to get used to this feeling, that it's just the start of our journey and um, we've got a lot of hard work to do, but it's really important that we celebrate this one and um, really enjoy the moment. So, yeah, we're stoked. The fend-off and run from Ali McKenzie, does she practice that? She practices that training, but I don't reckon she sort of like practices it in, you know, in stationary yeah. drills or anything. But she's, um, yeah, we've, we knew from the very start that, you know, Ellie's just going to be, she is already an absolute superstar, but she's going to be immense for us over, you know, the next three, five, ten years. She's so young and she's got so much to give. Um, but we love Ellie for the person she is as well, not just the, the footballer she is. And, 
Um, I think, you know, as a young person coming in as a number one draft pick, you can have the weight of the world on your shoulders and she just, you know, handles it incredibly well and she's starting to really um, fire out there for us and we just love that she plays her role and I think we all had the front row seat to the Ellie McKenzie show when she was powering down the wing and um, she's just a phenomenal athlete but also just a, a great person as well. How have you sustained your drive and confidence despite having to wait quite a while for this win? We really focused just on the process and I think it's pretty cliche to say that, you know, like the one week at a time thing, but we're so fixed on getting better every session and just, you know, getting better every single drill, bringing 110% intensity and just thinking about the processes and it's so amazing that it doesn't take very long like it is round five and it's taken you know us five games to to get that win but you're so focused in the present and um you know you're you're just working on on your game and working on every aspect of it and so um you know the wins just take care of themselves but the process and the journey becomes um you know the fun part in a sense Um, we've had so much fun already this season and it's almost we've had a, a few games where we were incredibly proud of our performance really hungry to improve and we've still got so so much um, in us and and a lot to work on but um, yeah when you sort of embrace the journey more so than the four points um, it makes it really sweet. That last goal from you did you know it was going to go through from the minute it left your boot? <laughs> I no, nah, I had no idea and to be honest I didn't really know whose free kick it was I actually thought that we were going to get a 50 against us because I thought it might have gone the other way but I just chucked it on the boot and um I think the footy gods took care of that one but Moni did say I owe her a goal because she was um <laughs> it was it was her it was her free kick so um yeah I'll be repaying that throughout the season I reckon <laughs> absolutely how important was last week's cohesive performance to set the tone for this week yeah last week was um incredibly important but I think every week has been important for us I think we've took we've taken a um a lesson out of every single game from you know that first game against Brisbane where um you know we really sort of held our own against a a really quality side and and going on from that Melbourne is a an incredible side as well this season and and Collingwood as well so we've played some really quality teams and taken some great lessons um don't get me wrong we've we need to improve and we've got a, a long way to go as I said but Um, I think we're building our game every week and and one thing that we struggled with in those first few rounds is just getting scoreboard pressure and and getting those um, I guess really celebrating the moments and a bit of reward for effort and now that that started to come last week and I think we we fell a little bit short in that last quarter against Carlton once again a really quality outfit but we almost walked away from that game you know not with the four points but knowing we can really match it with some great teams and uh, we went in really confident into you know this game against Geelong we knew that they would bring the heat and they were in a similar position to us they hadn't won a game yet so they were going to be hungry for it but um, it was something that we were up for the fight and um, you know we built the belief off the the last few games that we'd played and and came in um, raring to go. Where can you go from here do you think what's next for you guys? I think the sky's the limit but um, the process is our is our focus and you know we've got a a big thing at Richmond is just making sure you celebrate and celebrate the moments and you know celebrate the the wins like these first and foremost um we're we're keen to improve we're really hungry to improve and um that will come with reviewing the edits and um you know getting back out there on the training track and making training this week better than it has ever been before but I think that's all we're focused on is just being our we call it our personal best every time as both individuals and 
as a collective more so and and if we can keep getting better and better I think that's that's almost the win for us it's not the four points it's um yeah just building our game and and continuing to add layers to our game plan last one how are you celebrating tonight (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just with a a drive down the highway and jumping into an ice bath I think (laughs) um yeah I think um there's a few girls that don't really sleep after games and I'm sure there won't be much much sleep um, in terms of being up and about and, and really buzzed after a, such a, an incredible game out there tonight and, and, you know, and a win. Fantastic to hear from Katie Brennan. I've got to say what a thrill it is to see her looking like she's enjoying her footy. I've never seen her look so happy. She's deserved this. She's been someone who's been at the front of the competition for such a long time and to see that big, broad smile that's so authentic has been extraordinary. One of her former teammates back in back in the days of um, of local footy was Lauren Arnell. She's playing the season of her life for the Lions and it gives us the greatest of pleasure to welcome Lauren Arnell to the Outer Sanctum. Hello, great to talk to you all. Oh, Loz, we have been enjoying watching you. Um, we want to talk footy with you because the Lions are amazing and first and foremost, congratulations on ending the Frio's 11-game winning streak. <laughs> you did it by 11 points. What was the mindset going in against Frio on the weekend? Thanks, Emma. It was. It was a really amazing weekend for us over in Perth. It was a pretty big trip. Uh, we flew, we left Brisbane after work on Thursday and then we needed to stay around after our game to fly home with the sun. So we were kind of there late Thursday until we landed in Brisbane at 1am on Monday morning. And I think having that Friday in Perth to settle down, where normally you'd travel just the day before a game, we sort of had all of Friday without travel to settle into what we were doing, prepare as best we could for the game on the Saturday. And it was really exciting to put all of our plans into place and, and for all of our team to perform. We had some pretty epic performances from a couple of individuals, but I think what most people are seeing from our Lions group at the moment is we have a really consistent, evenly balanced team and that all of us can perform different roles on different game days and we don't rely on one or two or three players in particular each week. And I think that's what we take out of every win and every game that we have and particularly the win over Fremantle. Loz, it's Lucy here. Brisbane has, I think, one of the best defensive outfits in the competition. And when you were lining up against superstars like Roxy Rue and Sabrina Duffy, what was key for you guys going in there? Yeah, certainly our back line is the bedrock of our team. Obviously, led uh, we've got Emma Zilke and Kate Lutkins and Shannon Campbell down there alongside Brie Conan. So all of those girls are 50-year AFLW players and in our leadership group. So you look at those four girls who line up there and then you add a Kathy Spark to that group and Nat Grider who would have to be one of the most improved players in the competition this year. It's um, it's a pretty amazing group of girls you've got there. So certainly a reliable squad who back themselves in and I think when you compare them to players outside of the bubble of our squad like Roxy Rue and Sabrina Duffy, I think anyone within our Lions group no matter who those girls come up against, we back them in. And I think, if anything, that group is very underrated. Hey, Lauren, it's Rana here. I'm going to add a couple of names to that list. Emily Bates and Ali Anderson <laughs> had amazing game-winning performances. Did they get a lot of pats on the back after that game? Yes, they, they did. I think I um, I reached out to Batesy just after the game and, and said to her, like, that's, that's actually the best game of footy. I think I've seen Batesy play as, as a complete performance across the midfield. She was fantastic and... Ali um, was actually our trademark player of the week. And if you can find the stats, sometimes they're hard to access in our competition, but 
Um, Ali Anderson's offensive game was one side of it. We know she can bring that, but her her pressure act and her defensive side of her game against the Dockers was um, was outstanding, and and she she was just incredible. And particularly in the round, the Indigenous round, we've had Ali really leading in that space across the whole summer in our group, doing some education sessions with Dakota Davidson and Courtney Hodder, um, with all three girls teaching us huge amounts about the Indigenous history and culture. Um, and so for Ali to perform as well as she did in that round, it was really special. Loz, it's Nicole here. Yeah, you mentioned Courtney. She really was um, on fire. <laughs> Wasn't she amazing? Did she share with the team, um, you know, just what that whole experience meant to her? Yeah, Courtney's a pretty understated sort of kid. She's she's really, really humble. Um, she's a hard worker and if anyone ever tries to shine the spotlight on her, she goes pretty quiet. <laughs> um, there's a bit of spunk about her too. We um we had a really good chat um, over in Perth and she had huge, like, I think there was 50 family members there supporting us from the hotter side of things in Perth. And yeah, she, she was just stoked. And I think what we saw from Courtney and I, hopefully we can see her continue to bring that out throughout the rest of this season and, and onwards is just um, the spark that she provides our team. Um, just like her ability to break open games and back herself in in, in key moments, particularly that goal from the boundary. <laughs> uh, there was Damn another it. goal in open play. I think it must have been the third quarter, which was called not a goal. Um, you know, those sorts of things she does, we see regularly from Courtney. And um, I hope that, you know, there's a little bit more confidence she can continue to build from that game. Loz, it was really hard to get goals in that game. And yeah, I, I've yeah. wondered what happens at halftime when you're all working really hard, but the scoreboard's not really reflecting it. And, like, what's the conversation? Because the whole point of the game is to get goals. You know that yeah. you're trying, but how do you break that open? Yeah, it's a really interesting point because I think certainly in previous AFLW seasons, those types of scores have been somewhat standard, whereas this season the whole competition is scoring quite highly and particularly our team. So uh, I think reflecting on halftime, sometimes it's easy to forget what gets said in those moments when you're pretty tired. But um, it, we weren't actually too worried about the scoreboard, to be honest. Um, we knew that what we were doing across the ground um, and in each line was effective um, and we were really confident with what we were doing inside the contest. So a lot of the messaging was really about how can we step up what we are focusing on um, and the, the message wasn't necessarily about the scoreboard or kicking goals. It was actually like the process of being able to implement everything that we talked about. A lot of that was what happens inside the contest, and we know we do have a real ability to score. And fortunately, later in the game, and, and particularly through Ali Anderson, we saw that come to fruition. But certainly, it must have been our lowest scoring game for the season so far. Loz, you're playing some of your best footy in AFL. <laughs> W, don't you think? I mean, you're consistency and you're just everywhere. It's so exciting to watch. Is there something in the pineapple? <laughs> There's, uh, it is pretty awesome to be playing footy in Queensland, I'll say that. Uh, the heat at times can be overwhelming, but I think it is good for an older body. The recovery is a lot easier when you're not waking up cold. Yeah, look, to be honest, I, I feel like what I'm offering on field is, is very similar to what I've offered each of my years here at Brisbane. The team that we have now has a lot more continuity within our side um, and some natural development in our young group, I think, complements what I can bring to the team. Um, and I guess statistically it looks a little bit nicer, but certainly from an output perspective, I think for me what I'm offering to the team is quite similar to what I've offered in other years. It just looks a little bit nicer statistically, which, you know, I guess externally that's kind of nice. <laughs> but, yeah, really just enjoying the space that we have here at the Lions. And um, we've got... 
a really nice blend in our team at the moment of inexperience, experience and some high-quality improvement. Loz, it has been noted that you're playing really well and yesterday there was an, an announcement that there's a huge injection of money coming from the AFL into Queensland footy. We've heard on the down low that that's a pay rise just for you. <laughs> <laughs> and we think that it's money well spent. Thank you so much for joining us today. Best of luck playing the Giants this weekend. We cannot wait to see you setting the comp on fire again. Thanks so much. I'm Kiara Bowers and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. All right, are we ready to roll up our sleeves and melee, ladies? I'm picturing a very dirty jumper, mud-stained, maybe wool with a big collar, and we've pushed our sleeves up and we're in the three-quarter time address. And the reason why we're in the three-quarter time address is because we are in the middle of the fifth season of AFLW. Now, we sit here behind this, these microphones and we demand change and we, we have conversations about what needs to happen. Let's push the boundaries. And I think that we at times feel disappointed that the competition's not further along. But let's just say again, we are in the fifth season of AFLW. It's still a fledgling competition. So let's take a little stock tape because I found myself when I was watching Geelong this weekend thinking, is it time for the coach to go? And then I thought, am I allowed to ask that? (laughs) Are we allowed to have that conversation in AFLW? Because I look at Geelong and I think that they're lacking leadership. And I know that they have a young list uh, and I think that they are lacking some support in their structure of the way that they're playing their game. And if it was the men's competition and we were seeing a similar thing, people would be demanding for the coach's head. And I just wanted to ask you guys, is it okay for us to be, like, Is it, can the competition absorb us having that conversation yet, Lucy? I think it is okay. And I think the nice thing about AFLW is that we've learned to do things a little bit differently. So we can have that conversation without it necessarily playing the man or playing the person. And we can talk about what we think might be going wrong. But I do think we always need to take into account that it isn't a full-time competition and there are other barriers at play. Yes, Rana. What I think is really interesting about that is that that did not even occur to me to question the leadership or the coach in that way. Like I, you saying that has just made me think, oh, my God, we can have that conversation. Like, And that in itself means that maybe I wasn't thinking about the competition in that way and I probably should be. Well, I think it's gendered. I think people yeah. go, well, they've got a coach, they've got some uniforms, just let them be. Absolutely. And it's hard not to fall for that because there's still a part of me that it is still just, I am still a little bit grateful um, that it even exists. And there is a part of me that wants to protect, I think for all of us, that wants to protect this this competition because it, we, it's been fought for for so long and because there are still detractors and haters who will constantly tear it apart. And so this sense that should we contribute to that, give them fuel, should we be adding to this, it's absolutely a battle. It's absolutely something that I struggle with. And but I've always felt a little uncomfortable about the coaching conversation. I think it's never played out well in the media. So yeah, maybe we can do it better if we can be more constructive and more critical, uh, more constructive and just a little bit more sensitive to the fact that we're still talking about people ultimately when we're talking about coaching roles and people's jobs that, um, you know, this might help the AFLM. Yeah. I I mean, I don't even like having the coaching conversation in AFLM because I think it does get really personal. But there, I feel it's absorbed by so many layers of infrastructure that if the coach isn't working, then really there is something 
really deeply wrong. Whereas when I think about the AFLW structure, the coach is probably cutting the oranges as well. Lucy? I have sensed a change this year that there is more conversation and there are more people covering the AFLW. There's a lot more diversity, I guess, in media outlets and ways that you can go and get your information. And because of that, the conversations are broader and they are deeper. And so I, for one, am welcoming the inclusion of a lot of conversation about stats, about the way that teams are being organised and the conversation about the real football. And I think invariably that will lead to questions about coaching. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I feel like there's a reluctance on my part to want to criticise the league or the competition because... With the men's, you feel like they've had so much time to get it right. And I feel like with the women's, you want to kind of give them a little bit more time to get their their house in order. But I do have criticisms. I do have questions or concerns. You know, we've seen over five years that the AFLW is quite an inclusive place or people see it as quite an inclusive place. But I feel like if we don't keep an eye on that, we could lose that, especially as it continues to open up more. And I'm really interested in how we maintain that vibe while it gets bigger and better. Um, But speaking of getting bigger and better, I'm really interested in the conversation around the sport going professional. Uh, And What I see at the moment, I don't know what you guys think about this, but with it being a part-time competition, I wonder how much it uh, serves wealthier athletes. Women who are supported by family, potentially could live at home or are not dealing with full-time jobs or kids at home. I wonder what impact that is having on the play. I think it's really interesting because we talk about uninterrupted pathways through development, but then when you get to a certain age and certain stage of life and you're playing AFLW, the the actual game time is really interrupted. We know that Bree Davey told us last week that if Collingwood goes into hubs, there's certain players that can't go. We saw an article about North Melbourne saying no to hubs because they've got parents and people who wouldn't be able to go because of children. It's really interesting to think about going professional as being the more inclusive thing to do that that will actually open up the doors for more diversity and people from different walks of life. And yet the alternative, there is that, that challenge for those, especially given that there are people who, women who are coming in later in life, who have careers that they can't put on hold. You know, you think of the Tiana Ernst kind of character, a person who has, <laughs> you know, a real career as, as an obstetrician and that, you know, that is not the kind of thing you put on hold for six months to go and play football. Um, and now you're making choices that other, you know, younger players don't have to make. And yet we see that there's going to be even more, I guess, questions about the integrity of the fixture because of the part-time nature, the fact that we can't put players into hubs. And so this week we'll see Fremantle and West Coast play each other again. And now we know that that's because of COVID, but the underlying reasons behind some of these extra challenges are the fact that we don't have a full-time competition. I wonder as well when we're talking about when things aren't so fair because it's part-time, whether that is another reason why ACLs keep getting brought up. And, Nicole, I know language matters and there was something that sparked your interest this week, (laughs) not in a good way. 
Peter Larkins. Um, he used a hashtag in response to the ACL. And, you know, let's not kid ourselves. There is definitely a challenge amongst um, elite female athletes when it comes to ACL injuries. They are, depending on the sport, varies from like four or five times more common than the equivalent in men, right up to nine times more, more frequent. So there's absolutely a problem. But, you know, uh, I, Larkin's tweet that had a hashtag female ACL curse probably doesn't help that conversation. Um, there is an assumption, I think, that it is inherently a biological problem. And it was interesting to see that there was research that came out last year that kind of challenged that idea that we can't assume that it's biological, that there we have to look at environmental and sociocultural issues to really get to the bottom of what is a very complex problem. When you get, when you consider the fact that so much science, so much research, conditioning, preparation, all of those things have largely developed through sports that were designed for the male body. And so whether those accommodations and adaptations have been done is something we need to really think about. Um, and I hate, I, I really am struggle with the idea that we're putting it back onto the female body as being the problem mm. and not looking outside to see, well, actually, as a society, how can we better accommodate the, spec- the specifics of the female body? It's funny you mentioning language there and the positioning the ACL injury as being a problem with women's bodies. And I have to have a little sidebar and say, yes, there's heaps of great stuff that's going on, but we can always challenge ourselves to do better. And unfortunately, the AFL put out a tweet this week about tickets going on sale for the men's competition and it said footy's just around the corner and now everyone can see it and (laughs) I know I wasn't the only one that sat there and thought what have I been watching and look we can kind of joke about it and we can get really angry about it but seriously this kind of stuff just keeps happening and it just needs to not happen because language sets culture and what that language did was set the men's competition as the default as the most important and put the women's to one side. Now, the women's competition should not be an afterthought. There is, in terms of the statistics, it's actually incredible and this is a good time to bring it up in the stock take, but we're seeing growth at all levels. There's over 600,000 women and girls playing football. We now have 14 teams. We have, at the elite level, we have 420 athletes. One of the things that is really um, backing all of that up as well is the broadcasting numbers and seeing that it's actually the growth that the broadcasters are finding is in eyes watching women's football. So I was very happy to see that the AFL had deleted that tweet. Mm. And that's massive. That yeah, is that's massive. actually massive. But it. my instinct was that maybe they tweeted it on purpose because it's a clickbaity type thing. Are you, am I is so cynic, Nelly? No, that was going to be my question. Do we think they did it on purpose? Do you think that they're communicating with each other? Or is the AFLW and the AFLM just completely separate? I feel like it's really separate. Well, I feel like it's just it, it, for in many Clubs and in in um, or in some clubs and in the AFL, there is still that sense that I'm sorry, but it does come across over and over that the AFLW is the sideshow and that the real football is the AFLM. And I'm not saying it's at every level, but it does seem to be in some of their communications anyway. And there's a gap there, or you know whether it's a gap or whether it's just a deliberate thing, I don't know. But it does seem to come up over and over again. I don't think that it was clickbait. I think it was a mistake. And I do know that the AFL is working really hard to make sure that AFLW is actually included around, it's not siloed, it's now sort of through that people are working in all different departments. And I think it was a misstep. But 
when we're trying to change a culture of entitlement, that stuff's really, really important. So uh, the best outcome is that there's a conversation. I think that a lot of people spoke back to the AFL and they listened and don't do it again. The social media aspect is huge Mm. because it is front-facing. I think that people who are in charge of big areas in big corporates don't understand the power of social media and that is actually what you stand for because that's where people go first. They're not going to your website anymore. What you say on Twitter is who you are. Absolutely. That's how people define you. That's your shop front. It's your shop front. Absolutely. It's forward facing. So I think I would like offline for us to role play what happened in AFL House when some dude sat down and wrote that tweet. And then what happened in the AFLW department when they found it and they come running in and they're like, stop the press. With Benny Hill music. <laughs> Something like that. Um, thank you for the stock take, ladies. We're going to totally uh, take another tack now. There's been much talk in the news about rape culture and consent conversations due to reports um, coming out of the highest office in the country. And firstly, we would like to recognise that coverage of this could be painful to people who have been listening to it and enduring it. And it's really hard to miss it. If you are in need of support, you can call 1-800-RESPECT. And we just want to give a content warning because we are going to talk about themes of consent. Sport's a great way to educate people on social issues. And I saw a tweet from Anna Crean this weekend, who was the uh, author of Night Games, which is a book that talks about consent and sexual assault that happened in a football setting. And she said in the tweet, I'll say it a hundred times, put night games on the curriculum, have a conversation about consent before it's too late. I'll give the money away. I don't care. A footy coach told me once that he gives night games to his under 15s. If they don't read it, they don't play. And it really sparked something in my mind that the conversation about consent is a really challenging one. We have conversations about sexual health, about adolescence, but the conversation about consent is one that needs to be been had equally between boys and girls and across all age groups because it's essential that we get this right. And I was thinking about how powerful it would be. Look, I don't know that night games would be an appropriate text for an under-15s team. Lucy, you've got a 16-year-old son. Would he be able to read night games? I don't think that would be the most effective way to have that conversation with him because, you know, it. there's a lot of kids that reading isn't necessarily the best way for them to get their information. But I think it's a really good point that in schools and in organisations like sporting clubs, we have an opportunity to talk about some of these issues and that also allows for people to bring those conversations back into their homes, which is where this conversation should always be happening too. It's really weird, isn't it, with sport that it's both can be really protective and an amazing place where people can feel safe and that they belong and maybe the place where they can speak up and build connections to community, but it can also be a really dangerous place and we've seen that played out in so many sports, in particular in men's sports. Uh, And it's just a really weird tension for me and I don't quite fully understand that yet. It's interesting you should say that because I keep thinking about how women's football clubs were a really safe place for women who may have had this kind of um, back, you know, origin story or backstory or that might be the reason why they were attracted to playing uh, female football because they could go to female-only clubs, women's-only clubs. When I say women, I mean all women, anyone who calls themselves a woman. And 
those a lot of those clubs are now being absorbed by the franchises of AFL clubs, which means that now they're being embedded into what is a really masculine infrastructure. And I wonder how that's going to serve the purpose of, of where sport can actually save a lot of women. Nicole? Yeah, I think that's one of the challenges. The sort of more professional and the more um, viable and financially lucrative um, a sport becomes, the more likely men are involved and they tend to dominate in the power structures and in, in especially we've seen it in the AFLW in the coaching. And there is a, a tension for me where so much of the, you know, the, the female athlete and the coaches and the male coach, there's the female body and the male hands and this whole sort of interaction, you know, this um, power imbalance that continues to reflect the power imbalance in society and how, you know, it is such a gradual process but a really important process to um, make sure that the distribution of gender, that all of that diversity is across all levels and not just in the, not just in the playing group, not just amongst the athletes but also in the administration. Rana? Isn't it interesting that we talk about consent, which is such a personal thing, but we're seeing it play out in institutions, big organisations, and it's so interesting that we say when it's at community level, it can be a, quite a safe space, but as soon as it broadens out and it becomes an insti- at an institutional level, there's danger there. One person who's an expert in the links between sport and respectful relationships is Paddy Kinnersley, who's the CEO of Our Watch. She's a board member at the Carlton Footy Club and she's a former football player who's played a lot of football at community level in her day. I caught up with her earlier. I'm going to roll right in with my first question, Paddy. How does women's empowerment through sport help change the story on assault and violence against women? The evidence is really strong that we need to promote and normalise gender equality, including women's empowerment, if we're going to prevent violence against women. And if we're going to do that, we need to do it in all the places we spend a heap of our time, at work, at home, education settings and in sport. Sport is actually an integral part of this story. Uh, It's woven into the fabric of our lives, whether it's individuals or families and communities. And so sport settings are environments that can influence people's attitudes and behaviours and social norms. So they're critical to promoting women's empowerment and in doing that, addressing some of the underlying drivers of violence against women. So sport has the the potential to encourage positive social change and promote equality by creating inclusive, equitable, healthy and safe environments for, for all, for everyone, for staff, players, sponsors and fans. And we know that... Um, Women's empowerment can't happen in sporting organisations that don't accept women as a... That's a really interesting point because I wanted to reflect on, say, for example, Gymnastics USA, which is still a rolling story and it's been a hideous story for women especially. Considering how many men held powerful roles in the administration of that sport specifically, um, how do you shift the power dynamic when men do hold a lot of the the power roles? Shifting the power dynamic uh, is actually really important, but it actually should be done as a deliberate strategy like any other really important work. It shouldn't be left to chance or a few people. So we know that in an organisation, as long as women are not seen as equal to men or they're less worthy of respect, violence against women will continue. And in that environment, too often women's experiences are silenced. So especially if the perpetrator is a powerful man. And in that environment, uh, 
often women's those men are protected by the culture that allows that to continue. So we actually need uh, a strategy that one that says we will have women in decision making roles and in roles of power. We will make sure that our policies and procedures reflect the environment we want about women's empowerment and equality. Even a really small organisation, a small sport, will have a code of conduct or something similar. So this is not just the big organisations. Do you see uh, national sports organisations in Australia being intentional in that way? In recent years, many national sporting organisations have really shown an increasing commitment to the engagement and the promotion of gender equality in their work. Uh, and they know that they're contributing to violence against women. Many of them really recognise their profile and their influence, and so they've taken active steps. Many of them have gender equality strategies. Many of them have um, a deliberate commitment to having more women on their boards and so forth, and they're doing extra education with their players. There's always work to go, but there are definitely uh, several of the national sporting organisations that are putting in some effort in this space. Could men use sport to further the conversation on consent in sporting organisations rather than relying on women to have to do the work? Men have a huge role to play. As you said, most many sporting organisations are led by men. So it is them in the first instance who, or they in the first instance who need to take responsibility and say, this organisation will take proactive active actions to make sure we're an organisation of equality and respect. They need to drive that. We also know that men are typically in the roles as coach, as trainer, as mentor. So they need to, to play their part in the organisational change, but they also need to make sure that every day at a cultural level they pick up on things. So if there's a sexist joke or sexist behaviour or they're in a meeting where women aren't present, that they actually step up to that. Society does, when it requires misogynistic behaviour, it does have the apparatus to stick the landing on that really easily because of infrastructure and history. Thinking about what people have gone through this week and how victims and people who have had their lives intersect with violence and especially with sexual violence, uh, think about how they're feeling. How do we look after each other while this is the national story at the moment, Patty? Many women have been triggered by this week. I think it's important that we listen to those women, we believe them, we wrap our arms around them, we make sure they know where to go for help for places like 100 Respect. Uh, but it's, it's important to create a gentle space around women who need support uh, because this is a harrowing, harrowing week for all of us and we um, need to really support each other. I've really seen that empathetic leadership coming from our watch this week. I thank you for that and I thank you for joining us on The Outer Sanctum today, Patty. My pleasure, Emma. Thank you. I'm Chelsea Randall and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. Oh, we have a treat for you today. The Hawthorne VFLW coach, Beck Goddard, caught up with her dear friend, Michelle Cowan, who is the Head of Operations and Player Wellbeing for the AFLW at the Eagles. Put your plaid jacket on and enjoy this double denim delight. Thank you for being a friend. Hi, I'm Beck Goddard the head coach of the Hawthorne VFLW team and today I am with Mish Cowan. Mish, welcome. Hey, Beck. <laughs> now, I wanted you to sing the song though. What, the theme song for the Outer Sanctum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, the thank you for being a friend. Oh, yeah, that thank one. you for being my friend. That's yeah. not bad by you. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm expensive. You can't just get me singing for free. Um... <laughs> So I'm going to ask you first, 
how would you describe me? Every time I think of you, I actually laugh, like I laugh out loud. <laughs> and people around me, they probably think I'm really weird. But, oh, just funny and, and a great friend to have, and I'm glad that our paths did cross. Oh, Same. Shucks. <laughs> Same. <laughs> how would you describe me in 30 seconds? I think the laughing is so true, and I don't know if I'm laughing at myself or laughing at you. <laughs> but every time we're together, we have a damn good laugh. I think if I had to describe you, aside from being South African, um, is calm, a good golfer, a great mother, an elite wife who never drinks a shit wine. Elite wife. I'll make sure um, Chris will be listening to this podcast. I'll put it on his favourites as well, so he, he yeah, knows. But I actually think they're words out of your mouth too. I think I'm just like um, <laughs> echoing you from a previous time where you said, yeah, I'm being an elite wife at the moment. And I'm like, yeah, you are being an elite wife. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that chat, but I was like, um, yeah, he he's very happy, so... Elite wife, we'll go with that. Fine, one. we'll keep it. We'll keep it. Have and the you... good reds, like how's the oh, good yeah. reds? I even invited you over for some, but you didn't want a bar of it. No, I can't drink red. I get I get hay fever. <laughs> That's disappointing. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure the outer sanctuary listeners need to know my medical history. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had it planned though. Like it had a 36-hour decantering process. And it was sitting there and I made sure no one touched it and the kids were asking questions and all of this. And then all of a sudden you come over and you just wanted this chilled wife. I shut down the agenda. (laughs) (laughs) All right, come on, let's get back to the program. Have you or would you ever try to emulate my coaching style? (laughs) No, because I don't have the witty, like the ability to have all these analogies and thinking yeah you've just got this amazing way of coaching where you can read things and change things and explain things in a way that people just get it I tend to probably lean on everyone around me as well but um, yeah you're the way that you have your analogies and your quotes and things like that and just uh, everyone gets on board with it has is really been something that's impressed me along the way and and when we coached together as well that was fun remember that oh why are you bringing that moment up i mean aside from laughing a lot we lost by 17 goals and i think daisy had had 40 possessions to half time (laughs) against us yeah that was that was a challenging day Hmm. i've got a footy question for you what's your favorite footy memory of us there's a few probably that coaching day for the state of origin game and obviously we did get absolutely trashed that day but there were some moments in that coaching box that you know I'll never forget because you know we're under the pump and you know this is coming coming back to your calmness and having that ability to be able to laugh together about the disaster that was basically unfolding in front of us with Craig Stasevich as our runner (laughs) trying to trying to get Ebony Marinoff off the field (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for a rotation and it was just this comedy of watching stars run to try and catch Noffy on the far side of the field to the other side and him finally going back to the bench and ringing up and telling us I just can't catch her <laughs> to get her off the field. 
that's uh, yeah, that's that probably one of my my more favourite memories together. Of course, you know we've had some other great ones where we get invited into AFL House and um, have lunches together, and um, you know be with other coaches and see the inner, inner working workings of what happens in there that have given us a few laughs over the years too. Yeah, and, and do you remember our first interview? We had a it would have been a practice match up in NT, and we combined our press conference together. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, it was very awkward, wasn't it? I thought it was a great opportunity for us as two women in coaching to be able to present to the um, NT media. Anyway, no, no crocodiles were harmed in the production of that press conference. <laughs> yes. If we were able, COVID-free, to be able to get together, what would the what would the perfect day look like? No doubt, it'd be over here in WA, beautiful, yeah. sunny West Coast. It would consist of long lunch. Some really good red, yep. but you can have something else. Hmm. And just reminiscing all those, all the great times that we've had, um, which is pretty much what we do anyway. But we just enjoy each other's company. And I reckon 87% of the time, we're just laughing though. So there's actually not a whole lot of communication happening. And we'd, we'd both be wearing our played jackets, our, our winning played jackets. Well, is yours a, a, a winning plaid jacket? Well, I mean, I feel like a winner every time I get in it. I don't think it matters <laughs> if I received it because I won. I feel like a winner and that's, you know, if you, if you feel like oh, a winner, the then feeling, you'll play like yeah. a winner. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, you're right. I get the feeling, but I also did win it, so it's kind of a double win. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Speaking of, if I wore done double denim and it didn't match, would you tell me straight up? I would ask coach questions, which you you are very, very good at. Um, you know, we spent that time together at AIS. You've always got those good coach questions to the athletes like, what are you seeing with this double denim and how are you feeling <laughs> with that design? Those type of questions. And probably one, one of your favourites is, can you help me to understand the double denim? <laughs> so I wouldn't come out and say, that looks terrible. I'd just say like you would, can you help me to understand that double denim? Yeah, or can you help me understand how you're feeling this morning when you got dressed? Yeah, and we get to the right date. answer. Yeah. Eventually, you'd, I'd identify that it probably didn't look good, not you. Correct. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a sign of a good coach. And tell me, would you do the same if I got a terrible haircut? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well you have had one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> while we're on that. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether you would like being for real or whether you're trying to be funny. So that's where it becomes where I need to really be on my game and think, is Beck trying to make me laugh again or is this really Beck? Because I don't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> so that there's a lot going on in my mind in that moment that I'm really coaching myself. Yeah, I'll probably let you go, mate. I probably wouldn't say a thing. <laughs> non, non-confrontational. <laughs> that's you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks for, thanks for being my friend. Oh, thanks, Beck. I cannot wait for us to, uh, for these borders to be down and, and for us to be in each other's company and laugh and celebrate all the good things um, that we just keep laughing about. So I'm looking forward to it. And the big 5-0 on the horizon. Not for me, listeners. I'm not 10 50. <laughs> Mishies. I got my 40 and, and 
I'm having Daryl Braithway play at my 40th, yep. and Beck, you will be playing the tambourine with him. I'll be playing the guitar. What are you talking about? I'll be playing the guitar with him. All right, that'll be great. Right. Can't wait. Can't wait. See you, mate. <laughs> See ya. Oh, Rebecca and Michelle. <laughs> this is so delightful. This is why I don't fear for the world because these are the women whose footsteps we follow in, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> They're so delightful and um, thanks to Beck and Mitch. They've been such great supporters of the Outer Sanctum from its inception. It is almost time for us to get out of here. Any final business, ladies? I've got a little bit. I just want to say congratulations, Nicole Hayes, who is having a baby today. <laughs> So I know it's very pregnancy. Nick is having a baby book. The third (laughs) book in the Little Legend series is born today and it is junior fiction. It's for ages five and up. The lovely thing about this one is that it focuses on Ellie Little and it's her story about her goal-kicking yips (laughs) and her inspiration for getting better might just be from someone like Meg McDonald. Might just be very appropriate to AFL. But a great book to get your little footballers during the AFLW season. Is, does Rana Hussein make a comeback? Rana yes. Hussein is absolutely part of the story. She's Ellie's bestie, man. Oh, oh my goodness. I wish that... she was my bestie. <laughs> I'm so cool in that book. <laughs> that's so cool. I wish I was that cool in mine. You're adorable. Well, congratulations, Nicole. That's very exciting. Um, we won't be back in here until next week, so I just wanted to say I've got a very special message for everyone for International Women's Day, and that is if you're having an event and you've got a woman coming along to speak about being a woman, make sure you pay her. <laughs> yes, please. And also, happy International Women's Day, everyone. Uh, that's it for us. I think it's time to get out of here. Thank you so much to everyone who's been so many people sending us stats on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook is back and living again, Woo-hoo. which we're very pleased about. We want to do a massive shout-out this week to our dear producer, Nadia Hume, who's helping us and holding our hands along the way. We're always learning more with you, Nadia. It is time for us to get out of here. There's only one thing left to say, and that is... Go footy! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.